Once again, welcome to our Easter service here at our St. Peter campus of 922 Ministries, the last week of our focus on Luke's gospel and don't miss moments in Jesus' life. Whether it's that play from that championship series or game, or the presidential debate, from the presentation to the CEO of the company, to the interview that you have before the board who will accept you into that program. Or maybe it's simply that question that you asked and the answer that you gave. All of those situations, scenarios, are things that people in life have referred to as moments that everything hinges on. Like let's take for example last summer. Game four, if the block doesn't happen, if Giannis doesn't do the amazing, miraculous block, you might not own that Bucks in Six t-shirt. Because everything hinged on that moment. The momentum changed, game five happened, and then he dropped 50. And maybe you were in the mosh pit that day, outside the Pfizer Forum, because everything hinged on that moment. Or I think about 922 ministry in, in our history. Like three times over the last eight years, we've had capital campaigns to, to build new buildings. And behind closed doors, I've said everything hinges on, on this moment. Whether we're able to do it or not depends on the resources we receive and the blessings that God's people bring. And time and time again, you have brought gifts in love for your Savior to do that. Everything hinged on those moments. And maybe I think about you and me. My life has those moments, that decision, that choice, that job offer, that event that transpired and, and took place that everything hinges on. And I want you to think about that for just a second because sometimes, you know what we quite honestly do with the phrase, we overuse it. Like you hear announcers say, that was probably the biggest play in the game until later in the game and there's another big play. And you might think in your life right now, you just made the everything hinges on this moment decision and, and two years from now, you're going to stop and pause and go, well, it got me here, but this one's far bigger and matters far more. Well, the day I'm here to tell you that as we gather in God's house, I want you to have that idea in mind, this, this idea of everything hinges on something because history usually, if we can look back, allows us objectivity to know when those moments actually happen. Those don't miss moments that everything hinges on. And today I'm actually going to give you perhaps a truth that you would expect to come at the end and not at the beginning. If you're filling the blanks, you can see it on the screen. I'm going to make the case for it today for you, for anyone who's listening here in person, that when it comes to Christianity and the Christian faith, everything hinges on Easter. Like we've stopped and paused for six weeks and seen amazing moments, don't miss moments in the life of Jesus. But those miracles, those events, those things that took place that I didn't want you to miss, nor do any of your pastors, they don't matter if Easter didn't happen. And I'm posing this 
to a group of people I know who are here today who come from a wide spectrum of ideas about Easter and religion and Christianity. And so I want to make a compelling case to you, to the world, to no matter what position you have or what belief you have about God or Christianity or faith, that everything at the end of the day hinges on Easter. And I want to make that compelling case. I want to share some truths with you because I want you to see how central it is, why it's the ultimate don't miss moment. So if you are someone who is uncertain about Christianity, if you are a skeptic of Christianity, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here to to see why everything hinges on Easter and also what the Bible tells us about it. If you are a lifelong Christian and and you have not missed an Easter in your whole life, like you have gotten up, you've done the Easter breakfast thing every year and you've worshipped, I'm glad you're here because maybe just maybe your life is real busy. This has become a have to and not a get to and I pray that it inspires you to to celebrate every day after that everything hinges on Easter. Because Christians and non-Christians alike would echo that belief. Like non-Christians know that for Christianity to rise and fall, to stand, it hinges on Easter. And Christians know it too. But sometimes we forget why. And before we get into the whys, I need you to take a step back and understand the Bible reinforces that statement. It's not just Pastor Tim making it up. It's not just a bunch of Christians who over time have have sold you on it and tried to convince you there's a day to stop and go and do the church thing. The Bible, the Gospels, the four books in the New Testament about the life of Jesus actually tell you that everything hinges on Easter. Those four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record the events of Jesus' life from beginning to end, his birth. A don't-miss moment, very huge, but only one gospel actually gives you any sort of detail about it. While all four gospels stop and pause and give you insight, give you the events and details of Easter Sunday. When it comes to Christmas, the birth of Jesus, there are 633 words that record it and describe it according to Pastor Mike's count. But in those four Gospels, there are 3,575 words about Easter. So when God inspired the Bible to be written, when those authors recorded the words, there are six times the number of words about Easter than there are Christmas. Both mattered, both are don't miss moments, but the Bible is sending you a loud and clear message that Above all else, everything hinges on Easter. In fact, everything hinges on Easter goes back all the way to Genesis chapter 3. And the book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, would tell you the same. So no matter what of those sides you are on, skeptic or doubting, maybe veering away from faith, wondering because you've heard other opinions, or you are a bedrock cemented in your faith Christian, I'm glad you're here because I want to show you why everything hinges on Easter and why we can believe it, why it's true. I want to make a compelling case because this might be the only time you ever set foot in church or the last time you set foot in church. 
And in order to really understand why everything hinges on Easter, on that Sunday, I needed to go back to Friday. A Friday when all hope was lost, Friday when Jesus died, Friday when the one in whom all their hope was hinging on breathed his last. Luke recorded it this way. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. When all the people who had gathered to witness the sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching these things. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. When everything we talk about in the Christian faith hinges on Easter, this celebration, why you're here today, has to first reflect and understand this, that you can't miss the moment that Friday was and its significance. Because for those ladies, for Joseph, for Jesus' followers, they didn't know there was another chapter to the story. Like, we read the book, and we know there's another page to Luke's gospel. We come to church on Good Friday, and we actually have labeled it that, but they would not have thought Friday was good, nor would they have left while saddened by their sin, thankful for their God. Because everything, their hopes, their dreams, hinged on Jesus being the Messiah. And the one who raised people from the dead, that had the power and ability to do it, was now dead. Hope was lost. They left weeping, beating their breast over sadness, a sign of of wrong being done and, and someone's life being robbed from them. Joseph literally held the lifeless body of God's one and only son that had a huge gaping hole in the side which verified he was dead. And those women went home with one thing on their mind, to do right by their friend who had died and give him a a proper burial. Because you and I know there's another chapter, we sometimes lose the significance. And while they were hopeless, you know who was smiling? Satan. Because in Satan's mind, everything hinged on Friday. Like he lurked behind the scenes, he... He lured one of Jesus' own to fall prey to the love of money and betray him. He relied on the cowardice of, of political rulers to do the right thing, and he convinced them to save their own skin and condemn him. He actually manipulated the religious leaders of God's own people, the one who knew the word and knew the truth to lead the crowds, to, to call for his death. And he got the 12 closest people 
in his circle to be so afraid that they ran and hid. Because the devil believed everything hinged on Friday. And you can't miss Friday's significance to the story. All hope being lost, death winning, Jesus being buried, Satan smiling. But what the devil didn't know and what the ladies forgot was that as significant as Friday was, Jesus knew Sunday's a-coming. And Friday's significance, when you attach it to Sunday, is so important to Easter and why everything hinges on it. Listen again to Luke's gospel record the amazing events, the don't-miss moment of that first Easter Sunday. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Like Friday was significant, Jesus predicted it. The Bible tells us he was handed over to death for your sins and my sins. There was a purpose behind it. The ladies had forgotten it. In the midst of their sadness, the emotions that overwhelmed them, the the visuals that they saw, they had forgotten what he said. They had forgotten what he predicted. They had forgotten who he was. And they'd forgotten who the father was. God. (laughs) Able to do all things, able to even raise the dead, able to even raise himself from the dead. See, in the midst of the significance that Friday brought, that women were overwhelmed with sadness and grief, but but that significance of, of that day paled in comparison to the significance of Easter that morning and how everything changed. What they went to the tomb to do was no longer needed to be done. What they went believing had changed because they heard those words. What they expected to find, a dead body, was not there. Instead, there were angels in that place delivering a message that they could not even have fathomed would have happened. He is not here, they said. He has risen just as he said. And that was just the beginning of everything changing for those women. And that's just the beginning of the story that that God gives to us in the Easter account. The story goes on after the angels spoke with them. The ladies left. They came back from the tomb and they told these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. 
Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Stone rolled away, angels, strips of linen and cloths wrapped up in their place, no body, all things that were a beginning of the evidence. Like the angels declared it to be true, God's word has recorded it to be true, but on the streets of Jerusalem that day, that moment that they didn't miss led to another moment that was not missed to more moments where the person whose body was no longer in the tomb was alive and well, was breathing and visible, was able to put his hands out for people to see and his side for others to to be reminded of the scar. And then for the next 40 days, and on that day, Jesus continued to appear to, to person after person, to the disciples that night, to the disciples time and time again. And one time along the way, you'll find in the book that he appeared to 500 at once. 500. And one of the people in the group was his half-brother James, who up until that point, most people believe, was a skeptic and a doubter and an unbeliever. Everything hinges on Easter. And well, I don't want you to miss Friday's significance to those who are there or for you in your life of faith. It's essential. I need you to also not miss this. Because everything, if it hinges on, on Easter for the Christian faith, don't miss the evidence. Don't miss Easter's evidence. Like for 2,000 years, people who are not Christians have been trying to poke holes in it, saying it's a fable and a myth and it's made up. But God inspired those words to be written, and most historians accept the fact that those books are accurate and there are reliable witnesses to these facts. Even more so, God on the pages of Scripture talks about all the evidence. Strips of cloth. Resurrection appearances, not just to us as 12 disciples, but to doubters and, and haters. And God wants all people to know that, the truth of the day, but he leaves behind the evidence. And I don't want you to miss some of those moments about Easter's evidence. I want you to think about them and hold on to them, whether you are a Christian who has known God for a long time and your faith is strong or you're wondering or doubting or you're not certain. Like, understand, all the Gospels record to us that the first people who, who got the news of the resurrection were women. Do you know that the first person most likely who saw the risen Jesus was the one that we heard about in John's Gospel? I can't do all the timeline because we know he appeared to other people, but in my mind, Mary Magdalene was number one on the list. And that evidence is compelling when you know first century politics and justice. Because you know who would never be relied on as a reliable witness in a court case in first century world of the Roman world? Ladies, it's you. They would not let women be eyewitness testimonies and give their witness even if they had seen something because of the culture of sexism against women. 
They viewed you as unreliable and hysterical. So just think about that. If you're trying to make a compelling case for your story that this man is the son of God, that this man is the one whom on all your hopes and dreams matter, tell me why, if you're a founder of of that movement, that you would have women be the eyewitness testimonies first and foremost. Like you'd lead with that. Don't miss Easter's evidence. Or how about this? All those people that Jesus appeared to, those 12 who were in that upper room, minus Judas, who were, for fear of their life, 50 days later, they stood in front of people in the temple courts, and you know what they pointed them to? You know what evidence they directed them to? To make a compelling case? You crucified him. You did it. And he rose from the dead, and 3,000 that day, by the power of the Holy Spirit, came to faith. None of those people denied it, told that they were fakes. Instead, they dropped to their knees and said, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. Because everything hinges on Easter. Or how about this? That those 11 disciples, plus the new one they added, all of them suffered ridiculously for their Christian faith. All but one of them died a martyr's death over the course of the next decades. Would you die for something that was not true, that would cost you everything, including your life? And you think in a group of 12 that not one would crack? Like, you know, when when people make up a story not to get in trouble, and you two have probably done it a couple times, and, and maybe other siblings in here have done it, eventually mom and dad will get one of you to crack. Like, you can't hold the story. None of them cracked. Instead, they all were willing to die. And for 2,000 years, the Christian church has made its compelling case on Easter because everything hinges on a risen Savior. Every moment before this, every miracle Jesus did, every last thing he said, every message he delivered about sin and grace, if Easter didn't happen, if he didn't rise, he's a fraud and he's not the Son of God. But if he did rise... As the Bible says, if he did rise as the angels declared, if he did rise as witness after witness declared and taught and proclaimed as the Christian church has done for 2,000 years, if he did rise, he is worthy of your trust, your hope, and your future. Don't miss Easter's evidence because it is everything. It is everything. And that's why everything hinges on Easter, because Easter, my friends, Easter, my friends, and its message is simply this. He is not here. He is risen. The empty tomb, the angel's message, all the evidence. And that evidence reminds you of this important truth. Easter changes everything. Everything hinges on Easter Because Easter changes everything for you and for me. 
Without Jesus and without a resurrection, there is no heaven for you. Without Jesus having risen from the dead, those promises he makes are empty and do you no good. But because Easter, the Bible tells us, happened, because the Holy Spirit, I pray, has worked in your heart to to keep an open door if you're not sure or has strengthened that faith, because of Easter, everything changes for you and for me. When in this life you will have trouble, Jesus' promise gives you hope because he has overcome the world, paid for sins, and conquered the grave. Like when you lose someone that you love, Easter changes everything. The Apostle Paul encouraged Christians who lost loved ones, it's okay to weep, but we don't weep as people who have no hope because Jesus died and rose again. Easter changes everything. When you're anxious, when you're doubting, when your life is a mess, when when sin overwhelms you and the devil would convince you that you're not good enough, God doesn't love you, The significance of Friday and the facts of Easter change everything. Your guilt is gone because grace trumps guilt. You are loved by God. Easter changes everything. And you know who knew that? A skeptic. A first century doubter. Someone who knew that everything in Christianity hinged on Jesus Christ. Someone who understood very clearly that the Christian faith and everything about it was the don't-miss moment of Easter. And he made his life mission to eradicate the name of Jesus Christ from the face of planet Earth shortly after Jesus' ascension. His name was Saul. We know him as Paul. And he went out of his way to arrest and kill Christians. But the trajectory of his life changed one day when you know what happened for him? A resurrection appearance. (laughs) Evidence. He didn't believe their message until he heard the message from the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Like, you want a compelling case. The first century man named Paul who gave up his life, who suffered ridiculous amounts of, of jail time and beatings, and every kind of ridicule possible, he had made his life mission eliminating Jesus from the face of planet Earth and hoping that no one ever would share the evidence to becoming the greatest proclaimer of the evidence ever of of Easter changing everything. Which is why I love 1 Corinthians 15. Like the Apostle Paul understood everything hinged on Easter and he understood everything changed because of Easter. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul's words were, if Jesus didn't rise, if Easter didn't happen, without all this evidence, you've gone all in, you put all your chips in the middle of the table, and you lose. All's lost. You're a fool. And the most amazing time the word but is used in the Bible might be this one. (laughs) But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Paul was an eyewitness to it. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, that first crop that comes up that tells you more is behind it. 
Jesus rising is an indicator that those who die will rise. For since death came through a man, Adam, you and I will face death because of sin. The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Easter changes everything. The Holy Spirit has given you new life. The Holy Spirit has made you a child of God through faith. If you believe that by grace, you know what? You have life with God now and life eternal waiting for you. And one day, this is what will happen because Easter changes everything. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Jesus is going to come back someday. The risen Lord in all his glory. People who have died will be raised to life. Others who are still living, all will in a twinkle of an eye at the last trumpet call. The dead will be raised imperishable and we will all be changed. This sin-filled body, this body that is broken, this world that is broken will no longer exist Instead, we'll be raised perfect and all-glorious because Jesus rose, because Jesus is alive. Easter changes everything for you and for me. And the chapter closes with this amazing reminder, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. We die because we are sinful. Death entered the world because of Adam and Eve's sin, and the law convicts us that we are sinful and what we're deserving of, but, maybe the even better one, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us, you, and you, and those of you way out there too, you, and you, and those of you online, he gives us, all of us, the victory. We are the ones who win. We are the ones who get the blessings. We are the ones who will live forever with him. We have hope. We have joy. We have been forgiven. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, whether you are a skeptic or a rock-solid Christian, whether you have doubts or wonders, today I don't want you to miss that moment. And Jesus doesn't want you to either. As amazing as that moment was for those women as amazing as it was for Mary Magdalene to see Jesus, as amazing as it was for those disciples to be overjoyed in his presence, one day, one day God does not want you to miss the moment, your victory, when you stand before him in eternal joy. Don't miss that moment. God doesn't want you to miss that moment. He doesn't want you to miss out on the ultimate Easter victory that is yours and mine through Jesus Christ. Which makes me think of so many people in our church. Some of you who are here probably are thinking about someone close to you who's passed away or died in the last year or the last few years. This is the first Easter without them or every Easter without them is the same. Remember the victory they have. Don't miss the victory. <laughs> Because everything hinges on Easter happening to make you a victor. And Easter changes everything and makes you victorious. Which is what Marty knew. It was the last funeral I did here at St. Peter. Marty, who passed away on December 31st, like loved holidays. Like she had three or four bins in her basement for 4th of July, Labor Day, Memorial Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and you guessed it, Easter. I found out after she died that she actually sat at home 
one day year when they weren't able to be here in person and on vacation and counted how many times I said he is risen and the congregation responded, good, you're not sleeping yet. She didn't miss the moment. In her final days, we, we talked about the victory. Because she knew everything hinges on Easter. And by grace through faith, she knew the evidence. And by God's grace, on December 31st of this last year, she celebrated the victory. Friends, don't miss the victory. If you're skeptical, you don't know, you have questions, come and join us for Starting Point. If you know and you are rock solid in your faith, don't miss next week's moment. Because growing in our faith, it matters because it points us all in the direction of Jesus. It takes us back to the grave. And it takes us back to the angel's message. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Would you stand and join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, so many times we miss the moment. And there are defining moments, Lord. If, if your life in the Gospels recorded all the moments, John said, the libraries would be full. And yet, you inspired all the Gospel writers to not miss this moment. Six times the amount of words as your birth. Every page of Scripture points in its direction. Everything hinges on Easter. And what a moment it was. And the evidence speaks for itself. But even greater is the Holy Spirit at work through that message that takes us back to that tomb as the angels declared it, which it is true, he is not here. Lord, may that message of Easter remind us of the victory that is ours. May it help us in the moments when life is hard, when our faith is challenged. And may it keep us strong in our faith until the final moment and the ultimate victory. And because you live, we also will live forever with you.